Uh, hi, I'm Sarah. I am a senior front-end developer, I guess, at Atlassian, um, and I work on our design system, which is called Atlas Kit or ADG, depending on who you talk to and at what point you talk to them. <laughs> Okay, well, let's get right into it. Sarah, what's the most difficult thing you're facing right now in relation to design systems? Get it out of your system. Oh, so many things, so many things. <laughs> I think probably one of the top things right now is just honestly really understanding for ourselves and for the external, well, internal company, external perception of what it is because we have this whole long history. We're actually one of the older design systems out there. We've been around for uh, over three years and it kind of evolved um, into a platform that also lives inside of our repo. So the Atlas Kit repo, which is where we house our React components, also houses a lot of other shared components that belong to other parts of the company now. So it's kind of this watered-down perception of what belongs to the design system and what belongs to other teams. Um, and they're inside of our repository, so we're responsible for managing the monorepo that they live in as well. Yeah, interesting. So what do, what do other people think that it is? What do they mistake it for? Uh, I wish I had better clarity on that, but um, I think that a lot of it is just people want us to be everything to everyone. Um, and some of this is coming from management, and some of this is just coming from uh, our diluted marketing. But uh, uh, we have things like uh, navigation that live in our system, and navigation is a really large problem at Atlassian, which um, possibly should have a team um, around it the way that we did at LinkedIn. And navigation has full-time people on it that are being taken away from design system tasks, so that's something that we'd like to split out of the system. Um, and then there's just the fact that we don't really have like a clear idea of what really is in the system, like the core parts of the system, and what is just kind of tangentially related. So um, like our, our inputs core is something like our form layout core, or is that just a pattern? These are all things that we haven't quite worked out. And we went, we actually ran a workshop a couple weeks ago to try and figure this out, and we made a lot of progress, which was really cool. Nice. That's awesome. Can you talk more about that workshop? Like, who attended that workshop? What was some of the, the things that you discussed? You know, what, what can you share about that? Yeah. Um, so it was a few people. It wasn't everybody, unfortunately. We have a rather large team, so sometimes we have to just send representatives from each of our subgroups, which are constantly changing. So it was uh, me representing some of the theming work and the documentation websites. One of our principal engineers who is responsible for like how our system relates to the rest of the platform initiatives and two lead designers and a content strategist. Um, so cool. we went around for uh, like two and a half days almost, um, kind of defining what makes a core component um, and some of the rules around that and what else is in the system. We didn't actually 
drill down on categories besides what is core or foundational, we call it. Um, we just figured that out, and then we figured out what's not in the system and everything else um, that we are responsible for. So next time, we'll probably drill down a little bit more. We started thinking about, like, what is a pattern in addition to what's core, and it just got kind of confusing with like ambiguous rules. So um, we decided to drill down on what's core and what's in the system, but not core. Um, and that worked out pretty well for us. One of the interesting exercises we did was we started out, before we even started the workshop, we made a Trello board, um, just like with some of the questions that we really wanted all of the team's input on. and then. During the meeting, we went through all of those cards and um, added to them, sanitized them, and then prioritized them. Um, and that actually informed the way that we ran our meeting. So it felt like everybody was heard, hopefully. Um, yeah, that's basically how it went. I think one of the interesting, and stop me at any point if you want to drill down on anything, but. Uh, oh, that's great, yeah. Uh, one of the interesting things that. I was excited about as a starting point for what makes a core component was, and I'm going to take credit for this because this is actually my idea, <laughs> but, <laughs> okay. uh, in ARIA, there are, um, ARIA is basically a part of the way that you can make things accessible if you're not using um, default HTML elements, um, so we use ARIA quite a bit since we have custom selects and whatnot. But ARIA has uh, this concept of roles, and they have a, drilled down a little bit this concept of widget roles. And these are things that are um, interactive UI elements um, that live on the web. And they're just like a set of archetypes for these elements. Um, so things like checkboxes, um, uh, dialogues, etc., um, are types of like ARIA widget roles. And each element on the web, an HTML element, has like an implicit ARIA role. So input type of checkbox has the implicit ARIA role of checkbox, even if you just um, don't put it on there. So basically, one of the criteria that we created for determining whether something is a core component is, does it align with an ARIA widget role to start? So that basically gives us things like our checkboxes, our text fields, our um, inputs, our selects, our buttons, all of these things that are basic. And then it also gives us like that built-in documentation and specification for how it should work based on those ARIA roles. Yeah, interesting. So is that part of your process when you like create a component or make a variation of a component? That, that sort of check to say, does it align with those widget roles is just part of that, that workflow now? Going forward, yes, we haven't quite implemented it, but it's basically the first question of whether a component is a core component is, does it adhere to one of these ARIA widget roles that are already existing and are cross-platform? What are some of the other criteria for deciding whether something is a core component? Yeah, uh, so I guess we are not kind of thinking about it as criteria so much as signals because anything can be a little ambiguous and trying to make something that's ambiguous concrete is just an exercise in frustration. Um, <laughs> so we're kind of thinking about it as like the majority of these signals should be observed. And some of the other signals are um, 
it's reusable and context agnostic, so a component doesn't really need to know where it is to know how it looks and should behave. And it's independent and isolated, so it's not a layout component, which is still part of our system, but not considered like foundational. And it has to be standalone, which means it doesn't require additional components to run. So some, some presentational wrappers that we have uh, require additional wrappers to manage states, so we wouldn't consider those foundational. And it's, it's not tied to a specific action, usually like a business logic action or something. Um, so it can be used to achieve different tasks. It's not like highly related to what it says. Like it's not, it's not part of the name of what it should be doing. And then not opinionated about content, so it's basically a dumb container. It needs to follow best practices, but the best practices are a guideline that aren't built into the functionality of the component. So like in a button, we expect you to truncate it in a certain way, but it's not a, a limitation of how the button is built um, in most cases. And another one is it has to be independent of its data source. So. Uh, if it has like a data service or a data provider required to use it, it's not foundational. Something like that would be the editor and possibly even our avatar service, uh, which we'd like to kind of take away from the uh, requirement of having the service. But for right now, it requires that you use the avatar service as well. So that wouldn't be considered foundational. Um, and then it just it has to not embody Atlassian specific concepts. So like an example of that would be like an issue or a status or a queue. And those things are very Atlassian specific, which means that it wouldn't be foundational. Yeah, that's awesome. So I mean, clearly, you're working at a level of depth that is not that is more than just like this is not a, a basic design system. This is a very mature design system that you're working on. So I guess kind of to your point from the from the beginning of this conversation, you know, you all went into a workshop for two days. How do you now take the findings and the things that you decided and how do you socialize that with the rest of the organization? I mean, it sounds like that's part of the challenge, right? So how do you even begin to do that? Whew. That is a hard question to answer and I might not be the right person to answer it, but <laughs> okay. um, part of right now what we're doing is just collecting feedback from different parties about what is um, what these requirements are and how should we change them and how should we adopt them. But it's interesting because it all sorts of plays into different organizational initiatives. So we might have um, something coming down the line where we actually want to move out of the current repository so that we can like manage our own monorepo, et cetera, et cetera. We're also thinking about a rebrand. Um, so a lot of these things can kind of correlate. Um, I'm working on a project where we combine our designer and developer documentation. So this is all kind of like becoming a framework for how we move forward with all these different initiatives that are really affecting the future of the system. Um, and this is not on the roadmap, but in my view, one of the ways that I think that it might be good to do this is um, to just create like a very large marketed version because we do a lot of um, continuous versioning and releases in our design system in part because we are in a mono repo um, so we can individually version our components and release them 
but we lose out on some of the marketing opportunities of having like a large uh, version change that like correlates with an event like the Atlassian conference um, and like a named version and all of the socializing that we can do around that. So hopefully as part of a rebrand, we can do like a whole marketing campaign for our system that uh, takes all this stuff into account and changes the perception of how we're doing it. Oh, that's fascinating because it, it sounds like what you're saying is that this is not a design system problem specifically. This is a marketing problem for design. Is that is that right? Am I interpreting that right? Uh, everything's a marketing problem if you think about it hard <laughs> enough. But it's it's an internal marketing problem. And um, I mean, there are other initiatives that are externally facing because we do have vendors that build with our components, but it's not totally part of our concern right now. Yeah, gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. Well, all right. So as we wrap it up, what advice do you have for somebody who's in your position at another company? <laughs> what can you tell them? What has worked for you all in figuring out how to market this well to the people that it matters to? Resist self-imposed silos. Um, this is my experience is that this stuff is really hard and it's really complex and there's a lot of players and there's always politics and it's, it's just hard. Um, and sometimes it can actually be easier to just, you know, like, go heads down, do this thing, present it, and be like, well, now other people should adopt this, or, well, we finished this problem, but uh, you should work on yours separately, and it's, sometimes it's easier if you, if, like, you're on a, a short-term timeline and you don't really want to care about other things, um, but in the long term, it's always easier to just bring other people in and create accountability for yourself by like doing check-ins with management, get feedback at every level. Even though it's going to change things, things are going to get like moved around. It's just better. Um, like for example, right now, as I said, um, we're working on uh, creating a combined de design and developer documentation site. Um, as part of that, we were doing a technical plan and the technical plan originally was just like, we should augment what's there. And then we found out that there's an also another initiative at the company to start working on something that helps uh, document monorepos. And we are in a monorepo, so uh, why not use that? And then we realized that they also want to move to a framework called Gatsby. And we also wanted to use Gatsby, so like now, we get to have that the person that was working that on that on our team hopefully and we get like more manpower and woman power to do this and it's just like a better result for the full company rather than just making our goals better yeah hooray for collaboration on that yeah collaboration is hard but it's good <laughs> Awesome. Well, there you have it. The most difficult thing Sarah's up against regarding design systems is fighting inaccurate perceptions and marketing it well to the people that it matters to. Sarah, thank you for joining me and for getting it out of your system. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, I'm Dan Mall from Super Friendly. Thanks for listening to this episode.